You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. And we are off and running on this Saturday, October 17th. Good morning. Welcome in. A little chilly, a little crisp fall Saturday. We'll have more than enough to keep us busy for the next two hours. This, of course, is the uh, Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Take you up until 9 o'clock. Lots to do today. We have a lot to get into and I would just say at the start, hopefully you got a good night's sleep last night. Hopefully you did not cheat your body. You can't burn the candle at both ends. Getting at least eight hours of sleep is a necessity. And I think specifically this weekend, even more so. This is the weekend where really you almost have to. If you didn't do it last night, Please, by all means, do it tonight. Give yourself maybe a little bit extra. Maybe push it to 9, push it to 10. Look, considering this weekend, you might want to get 12. Because if there was ever a weekend where you needed to store a little extra energy, this is the weekend. Why is this the week? Well, people, tomorrow we have... The excitement overload. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Giants Washington, followed up by Jets Dolphins. I mean, whoa. Woo. Oh, just saying the words. I have like a Pavlovian response to Giants Washington, Jets Dolphins. Saying those four words together. The excite the tingles. I, I can see the goosebumps on my arm. You know, like the little hairs kind of stand up on it. To be alive. At a time, on a Sunday, where you get to starting at 1 o'clock until, what, 7.15 at least? Just six-plus hours of just up-and-down adrenaline. I don't know what other word you could use it. Just when you thought you couldn't handle any more excitement. When the exhilaration of Giants... And the Washington football, even the names are enough to get the juices flowing. But when that thrill of that matchup is done, when you think you have reached the apex of entertainment, we get Jets Dolphins. Oh, my God. I, <laughs> what more do I need to say? Sure, you could be watching, you know, I don't know, the Steelers, the Browns. Not a lot of great games this week. Uh, Packers, Bucks. Why would you do that? Not when you have Giants, Washington football team, and Jets into how do we do it in the same week? I don't know. I, I, so I'm just saying, hopefully you got a little extra sleep so your body will make it through the uh, adrenaline overload. This is like a Red Bull and a Four Loco all rolled into one, and maybe a couple of other substances, which I, I won't mention on the radio. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I almost need to like make sure I have like a physical to make sure my heart will uh, be able to stand. <laughs> Look, you'll be sitting at home, and I don't know if you sit on your couch or if you have a special chair you sit on. Whatever you're sitting in, you'll have the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. And I would suggest that you sit on the edge of your seat, mainly so you don't get too comfortable and nod off. But that's just me. But we'll have plenty on uh, Giants and, and Washington, the Jets, and, I mean, just the Jets in general. Like, does the opponent even matter at this point? Like, it's just whatever. Whoever. The, the Jets' opponent 
is the Jets at this point. I mean, the, the team that they're playing on Sunday at, at this point is almost meaningless. So, I mean, at least Giants-Washington, there are actual things to discuss, right? Like matchups, players. The Jets, the game is almost secondary to the circus at this point, and we will get the circus, mainly because the circus is entertaining. The games, not so much. But we'll get into the football. Obviously, week six in the NFL, and I'm sure we'll have to uh, discuss the Yankees. As a big Yankee fan, I'm morally obligated every single show that I do on the station. There is a quota. I have to say Yankees at least four times. Otherwise, I can't, I can't sleep. Uh, and Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone had their uh, season-ending press conferences this week. For, for hours, they were up there speaking about what went wrong, what's next. Uh, but I do feel, and certainly want to hear from you, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. But as, as thrilling, as exhilarating, as the football story is, as scintillating as it is to pick through the bones of the Yankee season, especially for some of you, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy it. But I'm, I'm here to entertain you. And God knows we're going to need some entertainment. I feel the need to open this Saturday with, I don't know, like a loftier topic than I know it's hard to imagine something loftier than the football story. But I almost feel like the focus, at least to start, should be on good versus evil. It's a story as old as time. Good versus evil. And the reason why I bring up good versus evil is because the American League Championship Series is still going. The Astros are still alive. They win game six last night, break out offensively. So tonight you actually do have some must-see TV. You have the Rays and the Astros spotting the World Series. And over the last few days, I've heard a lot of people rooting for the Astros. If I had a dollar since last night's game ended, maybe even before last night's game, certainly I would say probably after game five, it started to percolate. But then after last night, If I had a dollar for every time I saw some variation of, well, you know, you can hate them all you want, but boy, they make for a great story. Yeah, you can hate them, but they make the perfect villains. If I had a dollar for every time I heard some variation of that, I would be able to hire Bill Gates as my butler. And to a certain degree, I get it, right? Like if you're an Astros fan, And you root for your team no matter what. No matter what they did wrong, right? Even if their actions, you know, you'd have to say made an entire season illegitimate. They're your team. You root for your guys through thick and thin. So I get if you're an Astros fan. And, got to be honest, if you're a Yankee hater, right? If you're a Met fan, a Red Sox fan. I mean, your team, they, they don't have it. You know, you like baseball and your team's not there. So what do you do, right? You want the result that will aggravate your enemy as much as possible. It's not so much even that you're rooting for the Astros. It's that your enemy is rooting against it. And the enemy of your enemy is your friend, that kind of thing. So now by doing that, I think that it does show that you are a bottomless human being. I think that it shows there are no lengths to which you will lower yourself to by rooting for a team, again, that you know, you'd know you have to say made an entire season illegitimate by their actions of cheating. 
But hey, you know, that team that cheated to win a World Series that never got punished, yeah, I'm going to pull for them. There, there's something in your brain, if that's what you say, and you can justify that, well, all, more power to you. I think it says a lot about you, and not any of it good. But if that's the way you want to go, that's the way you want to go. I can understand it to a certain degree. But evil exists in the world. But over the last couple of days again, I've seen people with no real dog in the fight, or even worse, even worse, people who are Yankee fans contorting themselves in all these different, I don't know, like hypothetical positions, doing all these like mental gymnastics to come up with a reason why the Astros coming back from down 3-0 or the Astros advancing to the World Series is this good thing. And I simply have to ask myself to these people, why do you hate yourself? That they're actually pulling for the Astros. Look, I get it. 2020 has been a doozy. It has taken a a toll on us all mentally. I mean, I don't think anybody is supposed to be spending this much time with their family. It wears on you. I get it. Trust me. Nobody understands this more than me. But come to your senses. (laughs) I mean, look look at what you're doing. Have a moment of clarity in your life that if I would have told you as a Yankee fan, or as just a neutral observer, hey, you know what? In, t- in some period of time, this is future you where you're rooting for the epitome of evil. I, I don't know other way. I don't, what, I don't want to overstate it. But I think that the epitome of evil is the perfect way that I, I, I could put it. But for the Yankee fans, this one absolutely baffles me. That somehow if the Astros come back from being down 0-3 and advance to the World Series, beat the Rays tonight in Game 7. Well, you know what? The Yankee, the 2004 Yankees will have company, right? Because as of right now, the only team in baseball that has blown a 3-0 lead in the playoffs is the 2004 Yankees. The Red Sox, Red Sox go on, and the curse win the World Series. So... There is this feeling that somehow if the Yankees, if the Astros do it well, at least the Yankees will have comp. Well, they're still on the list. <laughs> 2004 still existed. It still happened. The Red Sox still came. I mean, what are you talking about? It doesn't matter how many teams blow 3-0 leads. It happened to the Yankees in 2004. So it could happen a thousand times over from that point forward. It still will always be that the yet. I don't know what people are talking about. And it's not like I like Tampa, but at least they won fair and square. So I guess, I look, I'm old school, and I, I get it. Maybe I'm going out the limit. I'm anti-cheating. I'm, it's a weird position to take. I'm anti-evil. I'm anti-wrongdoing. And usually uh, I go against the corrupt. That's, that's me. I get maybe in 2020, that's not you. But that's me. But for the Yankee fan out there, I, I, don't, I don't know how you sleep at night. And, and maybe it's just that 2020 has just taken a toll on you to such a degree that now you find yourself in this weird position. You, I, I, it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome. I get it. We're all not happy that the Astros are still alive. And hopefully, I mean, what a lesson that teaches you about the world. If the Astros win tonight, the, Ast- the bad guys won. 
I mean, that's what, that's what it tells you. Good does not always triumph over evil. There's no other message that you could possibly take from the Astros winning if they do end up winning tonight. But that doesn't mean that you have to somehow put yourself through these mental gymnastics to try to justify it and, and, and somehow lessen the pain. You're embarrassing yourself. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and root for the good side. And I'm not saying that the Rays are somehow angels. No, the angels wouldn't be in the playoffs. We know that. Mike Trout's nowhere to be found. But at least don't be rooting for evil. And that's what you're doing by rooting for the Astros. You're rooting for evil. Let, let the evil people do that. Don't become the evil. We open the show with the uh, delirium we're all going to be feeling with uh, the football story this weekend, right? The two big adrenaline-inducing matchups that we uh, have that we will voluntarily put ourselves through uh, this weekend. And we'll get into the football probably more so in the uh, second hour, but I did want to kind of tackle the baseball story because tonight you have a Game 7, which, right, there's no better words in sports than Game 7. And I would simply say that um, at least uh, tonight it is not just a battle of of Game 7. It's not just a battle of, of Astros and Rays. It would be a battle between good and evil. Uh, that's uh, just the way I look at it. And I don't want to overstate. I don't want to blow it out uh, too much. But uh, I would simply say if you're rooting for the Astros, that you are a horrible person who is bottomless, shameless, that there are no lengths that you will go to to, to, uh, to shame yourself, really. But again, I don't want to go too far. Uh, but, of course, the Yankees also this week, one 800 espn is the phone number, of course. But uh, the Yankees this week had their season-ending, their season-wrap-up press conference, both uh, Aaron Boone and uh, Brian Cashman. And, look, this is going to be uh, an interesting offseason because at this point, you know, if it were a normal offseason, the Yankees lose the way they did, you would think, all right, I kind of know what to expect here. The Yankees lose in the division series after, you know, having a goal of going to the World Series. I think in a normal season, you'd say, okay, let's shoot the locks off the wallet again. Let's go out and get this guy and that guy. And there's a lot of fans that I I think might be actually expecting that. I I don't consider myself among them. But I think the reason why this offseason is obviously unique is because I don't know what teams are going to be spending money. I don't know if the Yankees are going to be spending money. I don't know what their budget's going to be. I would think that with e- I think every team's budget is going to be less than it has been. So you have to assume, right, the free agent budget is going to be down across the board. But look, the Yankees have a ton of questions with a ton of players. But after listening to both Cashman and Boone uh, back, what was that, Tuesday, that the rotation and the bullpen are going to be the areas that they focus on. Now, that's not the reason why they lost this year. As we all know, that's not the reason why they've lost the last few years. Despite all the talk about rotation and bullpen, the real area that the Yankees, I think, need to fix is the offense. But because of the, the, the pieces that they have in place and the, the budget being, I think, somewhat limited, I don't think that the offense – now, look, there could be a move here or there. But for all the talk about, uh, you know, well, we get, you know, do you move Luke Voigt? Do you move Gio Urshela? You hear, uh, I think Joel Sherman was the one who had the article this week. Well, maybe Yankee fans, you know, it seemed like they're on board to moving Aaron Judge. This question about Glaber, bring back DJ LeMahieu, this free agent, this trade. I think that the focus is largely going to be on the rotation in the bullpen. 
Uh, there's plenty of questions there alone. You know, Ta- Tanaka, is he going to be back? I think that I could see a scenario where they do bring him back under the right price. I think if it were me, I would think even with a limited budget, if you're going with the back end of the rotation, which certainly seems like it's possible of a, a lot of the younger, cost-efficient, you know, Montgomery, Davey Garcia, Clark Schmidt, Herman, if he's back, well, then I think that at number two in the rotation, you got to go out there and get someone you can really rely on. Paxton certainly seems like he's gone. Hap is certainly gone. So I don't know who that person is. Is it Trevor Bauer? Uh, it doesn't seem like it would be. I don't know if that personality fits, although there are a lot of things that would line up uh, for the Yankees to go out and get someone like that. But I think that the first thing, um, it's not really a question, is that DJ LeMayo has to be back. It's funny to me that the, the, the amount of fans who have this tone of, you know, Cashman better, better bring back LeMayo, as if the Yankees don't realize how great he's been. They're the ones who saw the potential by signing DJ LeMayhew to the two-year, you know, like as great as LeMayhew has been, and there were some fans who liked the move at the time, it was not the overwhelming majority that it is now, right? Like if they did not bring back DJ LeMayhew, boy, you thought that uh, people were ticked off with the way the season ended. That would be that would be a walk in the park if they didn't bring back DJ LeMayhew. So I don't expect many changes on offense. For all the talks about, you know, first base and, and uh, you know, I've seen things about uh, trading Luke Voigt. And then you could put Glaber back at second base, put DJ at first base and find yourself a shortstop. Do you move Urshela? Do you try to make a move for Lindor a year early? To me, the first question the Yankees have to ask themselves is about Glaber Torres. And can he be a shortstop? To me, the idea, it seems like the, the prevailing thought now is he cannot play shortstop. He has to be a second baseman. Like that you can make that judgment based on a 60-game season in which he played, what, 40 games in the regular season? That somehow he is unfixable at that position despite playing that position in the minors and this being his first season doing it in the major. It seems like a bit of a stretch to think that you he cannot possibly play shortstop. And I'm sure if he does stay at shortstop and they bring back, you know, if the changes are not very, uh, if the changes are minimal and they basically keep LeMahieu and keep Glaber where they are, every time Glaber Torres has a play in the field, an error, a miscue, something, that will be a storyline all of next year. But I find it hard to believe that people can already make the jump. No, can't play the position. Even though he came up as a shortstop and he just got done playing his first season in the majors at that position for 40 games. Like that you could make a judgment based on 40 games. Nap can't do it. <laughs> that seems, I don't know, it seems like you're flying off the handle there a little bit. Feels like uh, that the, the, now I also would like to wonder why Glaber was just such an average player this year. Maybe it, maybe it was the position switch. I don't know, because he seemed like a guy who was, uh, you know, at the age of 22, one of the premier stars in the game. And again, weird year, 60 games. He was just not that player this year. So uh, that to me is the first question, and then you can kind of answer the other questions in, in terms of um, you know starting pitching and relief. I, I don't know. Maybe this will be an off season where the Yankees don't make any big moves whatsoever. But in terms of the bullpen, it doesn't really seem like there's an easy solution there. There's not a guy that you would say, at least in terms of the people that are free agents, oh, just go sign this guy. Oh, just go sign that guy. So I think that they're going to have to kind of either develop their own guys, hope that uh, Loisaga kind of 
is, is a guy that they can trust in, into next year and find solutions for the bullpen questions that way. So if, if, if you're not making any real major changes on the offense, there's no big money solution in relief pitching, then if you do have money to spend, um, I, I, I find it hard to believe that the personality would match up, but Trevor Bauer does make some sense, right? He doesn't want a long-term commitment. He's like analytically driven guy. He loves Matt Blake, who's the Yankee pitching coach. And the Yankees do have a lot of guys that can fill out the rotation, as I said before, right? Like you get Severino back in the second half of next year, but you can't go into the year thinking, well, you know what? In August, we'll get Severino back, and he'll be our number two. You need somebody that you know going into next year that is a, is a guy that you can rely on. So the back end of the rotation, you know, David Garcia is still very much up in the air, despite Yankee fans thinking pulling him in, in inning one of a play. Oh, my God, how dare you? After he threw basically 30 pitches. Montgomery is going to be a guy who's in the back of the rotation. But again, not a guy you can say going into a year when you're the Yankees. That's the number two starter. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's get some phone calls in. If you want to talk about the matchup of good versus evil tonight of the Astros against really any. I mean, it's not like I like the Rays, but it's not a I mean, come on, Yankee fans, get it together. You can't be pulling for the Astros. If you want to get on that, Yankee changes, all that type of stuff. All right, let's get some calls in. Uh, 1-800-919-ESPN. We'll start things off. Sal in Brooklyn. Sal, what's going on, my man? Good. Good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm good. All right, cool. Hey, listen, you know, I'm maybe a little older, long in the tooth, but in the old days when you had a shortstop that really wasn't producing what they do, like Joe Torre used to say, catches they used to push out to the infielders, infielders you push out to the outfielders. Why they didn't have a good year? Maybe because his head was on his fielding. He don't have the range. I know he's got the arm. We're not strong up the middle with Glybridge short. And to put him at second, to put LeMahieu at first, well, LeMahieu's a solid gold glove second baseman. You know, you, you pencil him in, you leave him there. You know he's good for the year. Maybe you put this guy out in left field, and there's your left field situation for the next 10 years. I mean, they used to do that. Mickey Mantle went from short to center. Robin Yao went from short to center. You know, you can move these guys out. You push them out, there's your left fielder. You're going to get rid of Frazier anyway, because this kid's been nothing but a yo-yo. The Yankees have been yoking him since they got him from Cleveland. And they don't know what to do with Andrew either. So now you're solid in left field. You bought Hicks. I'm not a big fan of his, but you got him. And then you see what you could do. Is it, is it Lindor? Maybe. Yeah. Everybody keeps talking about bringing back Gleiber, but I think Lindor's your guy. And now you start getting solid up the middle again, and then before you know it, you're going to be that solid team that you know you can be. Because right now there's just too many swings and misses in this lineup, my friend. That's what's killing them. I mean, you could look at the pitching. You could look at the defense. When you're striking out 18 times in a playoff game, you're doing the other team a favor by not even having to make a play on you. But Sal, but Sal, the, the strikeouts is not the. I mean, the the Ray in Game Five, the Rays struck out more than the Yankees. Correct, and they out homered us two to one. Right, <laughs> you have to hit home runs in the postseason. You have to be strikeouts are going to be part of the equation. I, I, I wish they didn't strike out, but that's part of the. I mean, it's just part of the deal. Yeah, but we're getting actually Yankees. If you look from seventeen, where they were actually closer to a World Series. Then where we are in 2020, we've regressed. 17, Houston, game seven. Yep. Austin no, wiped us out in six. Yep. And last year again, and this, so we're regressing as far as getting closer. We're not getting closer. We're still a solid team, but you got to look at it realistically and say, what's going on here? We're getting further away. As much as we thought we had all of this youth, it's actually starting to, we're getting a little bumper there. I mean, they can turn it around real quick, I know, but 
Glyph is not a shortstop. That's the bottom line. Looking at it with so, eyes, I mean, you know, I your high test. <laughs> the eye test. The eye test. Gordon, so, come on. The eye test. He's, he's, he's 20. I, look, Sal, I appreciate the passion. I appreciate the call. I can't imagine that anybody can make that judgment fairly on a 23-year-old guy who up until – look, I get it. This year was a down year for Glaber Torres. He was hurt. Uh, he only played, I think, what was it, 42 games. Okay, so 42 games. He's 23 years old. I'm not moving him into the outfield just yet because that really doesn't – look, I want Clint Frazier to be here. I want Clint Frazier to be – I think that Clint Frazier has finally proven, and I don't know that is the, the Yankees agree, but I think that Clint Frazier has proven that he deserves to be part of the, the, the lineup day in and day out. So I don't want to – I don't want to move off Clint Frazier, but – so I, and I'm not moving – you know, at least Glaber – the question of shortstop second base is a fair question, right? Maybe he can't play. Maybe 40 games. Maybe there's some metric that the Yankees can see and the baseball you know, scouts can see and the, 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 the analytical numbers all agree. This guy just does not have the ability to play this position. I feel like that might be jumping the gun a bit. 23 years old, 42 games in total after in a down year overall for him. I'm not, I don't know that I'm ready to make that judgment just yet. It, it, seems, it seems, again, flying off the handle, saying that something is unfixable when he's 23 years old. You know, it, Derek Jeter didn't come up, you know, there were questions about him coming up at shortstop and, and whether or not he was ready for the position. So uh, I think that there's, a, there's still, there's still some, some, some room to, uh, to, to answer that question. But unfortunately, the Yankees kind of have to answer that question right away, right? Like if you're going to bring back LeMayhew, He's going to be your second baseman. And although I will say, like, if you bring back LeMahieu on a three-year deal, four-year deal, chances are he's probably going to be your first baseman at some point. I don't think that he's going to play all three, four years. He's going to be 33 next year. So I don't think that he is going to be your second baseman at 36 years of age. Let's go out to uh, Lewis's in Whippany. Lewis, what's going on, my friend? Hey, let's go, baby. Fourteen seven. Let's go, Astros. What do you say about that, Gordon? Huh? What do you say about that? I think I, I, I think I said it. I think that you are uh, – uh, Lewis is the person who is rooting for the – he's a Red Sox fan, so he has that connection to the Astros because that, those are two organizations that cheated. Nah, nah. So that's not true. He, he, he is a bottomless person. This is the example that I'm talking about. See, see how he started the phone call? He's all happy. It's not his team. He's just happy no, that – he's, he's happy but, because you he's know a what, bottomless though? person. No, no, no. no, no, no. A organization who, uh, who took a, a, an entire baseball season – and by their actions, <laughs> rendered it illegitimate. But no, I'm sorry. no, no, Go no. Ahead. See, see, no, no, no. It's, it's two things. One, I hate the Yankees. I'm a Red Sox fan. Obviously, they lose the Yankees. Wait, That's wait. fair. That's fine. Two, two. The Astros are my dad's team. He's happy right now, so I'm happy for him, and I'm happy that the Astros are showing. It has nothing. The to do Yankees had to come back to from you OT. Hate the Yankees no, with no, such no. a passion within your body. That any no, 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 no. if again if the 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 example I gave before if Satan came up and announced <laughs> that he had he had created a team of devils, demons, the Asian clubs from the pits of hell and they were playing the Yankees for I don't know what uh, the, the the ruling of the of the universe you would be like let's go hellfire you would be you would yes. be rooting for the devils. Yes. As long as the Yankees lose, I'm happy. As long as the – you know what? When the Astros win the World Series again, I'm going to ask my dad to send me more gear because you know what? I'd rather wear that in a Yankee uniform any single day. Let's okay, go, baby. Fine. The, but if, uh, that's who you are as a person. That's fine. 
And that, that who you are as a person is bottomless. You you just said so. I, I think that I've been proven correct in everything that I just said, right? 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Spike is in Jersey. Spike is a much more positive person, much more happy person. I am a happy person, and I yeah. understand. I understand. And now, look, it would not be it would not be hard to be a more positive person than Lewis. So it's, it's kind of faint praise, but well, yeah, I think well, you know that I'm coming from a good a good no, spot. No, I understand, Lewis. He's youngster, and uh, and uh, I I felt that way about the Celtics when the Knicks being my favorite team and viewing the championships when a few people that call you that was alive. But I have a quick question, uh, a conundrum. I need your help. So about five weeks ago, I get these free bets on the betting sites. I do. Right, I sure. Yeah. So I put 20 bucks on Houston because the price was so big to win the World Series. Yes. Uh, I did the so same thing. I got them at plus 2,500. I believe it was at the start of the play. I don't remember exactly when I put the money on them. All right. uh, but I got them plus 2,500. Uh, okay. at the start, because I always root for my own happiness. I'll be happy to throw away the money that I put on them to watch them lose. Okay. All right. Well, what I did, I'm not like that. I can't be like, I'm going to count them because here's my uh, dilemma. I, whatever I put on a 40 bucks, I didn't get 2,500. I, I bet this, I think I got uh, plus 900. Okay. So I'm looking at 400 bucks and I'm going, um, Look, I know how to do it now. I'll bet against them tonight to cover the bet or make a few mm-hmm. dollars. Yeah, okay. So I'm saying, eh, I hate the Astros. They cheated, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But so, so, you know, it's for 380 bucks. You know, I'm going back and forth. I have a question for you, though. Uh, so I know where you stand on that, and we'll yeah. just see what happens. It happens to be pretty good baseball, so I'm enjoying that because it's going to be a dearth of uh, everything else for football. I, I asked you this because uh, I know during the week it's really tough, and I call late and it's tough to get the question in. Um, have you watched Away on Netflix with... Um, no, I have Josh? not. That is the oh. uh, Hillary Swank TV Hillary show. Swank? Yes. Yeah, Josh, Josh Charles and Hillary Swank. Mm-hmm. So, my, so my wife said, let's try this. And I, I said, ah, I've seen this before and this and that, you know, being away right. from your family, going to Mars. And I got into it. We have two two uh, episodes left. I think it's only a one-year deal. They're going to redo okay. it. Uh, Give it a shot. Watch two episodes. It's a long episode. They're one-hour episodes, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty good. I I think knowing you like I do, I think you'll like it. It's not okay. slow. Not slow. You know, my at all. wife is my wife loves anything to do with space. NASA, this thing uh, they have a they have a series on right now. Netflix uh, about the Challenger, which uh, she's yep. she's big into. She oh my god, she's telling me to watch it, watch it. Uh, so I, look, at, at sports uh, with the the baseball ending here, pretty no, soon. Nothing. Nothing. You know, and the Knicks not going to be starting for a while, and the Jets and Giants. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, look, I'm going to be looking for stuff. So uh, well, I, it's on the list. At some point, I'll probably get to it, uh, but uh, it's not going to be the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'll give yeah, it a so- shot. It's a lot of humanity and, and interplay of people who are traveling together. It's not like a NASA thing. Anyway, last thing, you mentioned the sports. So um, yesterday I'm communicating with Larry Hardesty, and he sends out a thing that Dennis Smith Jr. came back to the early training or something. And I said, what is he training for? So Larry said, maybe we're lucky, and he's cleaning out his cubby. <laughs> yeah, I, I just my how can an organization and the Jets have passed the Knicks to me? They have passed the Knicks in ineptness. They really have. Uh, yeah, I, well, yeah, I think you would have to say that, right? I mean, it depends on the the time frame that you're giving, but I mean, just take a think, just think about where the Jets are at, right? Like the Jets, have, this is going to be the tenth year in a row that yep. they have not been in the playoffs, 
And you would have to say in those 10 years, they've never been more far away. They've never been further away from the playoffs than they are right now. They've been done at Thanksgiving seven of those 10 years. Yeah. This year they've been done. They were done even more. It seemed like they were done by Labor Day. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can it's, watch the Giants. And by the way, your team looked good last week. Your team yeah. really looked good. No, don't. Yeah, we'll uh, say, I'm not we'll trying say, look, to I'm hoping, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they have things turned around. Spike, thanks for the call. I'm oh, hoping I'm that they have things uh, you know, pointed in the right direction. Now, it's going to be hard to judge that this week because they're going up against the Jets. Uh, but we'll get into that uh, a little bit uh, in the second hour. But, uh, yeah, you would have to say, right, like, I don't know. Like, the, the, the nice thing about the Dolphins is – is that for the first time in a while, I don't know for sure as a fan that the wrong people are running the organization. For like the last, you know, for a long time now, I, I just went into season saying, well, there's really no hope. And like until they start to change people and change coaches and change this and change that, I don't really have a whole lot of hope. This time right now with the, 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 the matchup that they have, you know, with the, the front office and Chris Greer and um, the, um, the uh, coach and, and Brian Flores, I don't know. I, I see some good things. I see some things that I'm a little worried about, but at least I don't. It's not a known thing, and I think that that's the case with the Knicks. It's not. I don't know if Leon Rose is going to be able to turn it around. I, I'm not even in that frame of mind right now to even be thinking about the Knicks. To be quite honest with you, but at least there's a bit of a more of an unknown quantity. The Jets, as of right now, are a known. They are a known quantity, and that quantity is awful. We've been talking about the baseball, the battle of uh, good and evil tonight as the Astros, uh, hopefully. I-, I think tonight is the night. Tonight's the night. I-, I know that all the momentum seems to be going in one direction. And um, that direction would be the Astros, right? After winning three games in a row, coming back from being down 0-3, everybody's going to be thinking, ah, oh, the Astros. But tonight's a brand new game, so we'll see how it goes. And I think tonight, I- look... I like to envision the world that eventually, not that it always happens, but that good triumphs over evil. I, I, that's a very cynical point of view to think that evil always wins. There are people out there like that. Obviously, Astro fans exist. But I'm, I would like to still believe that good does eventually triumph over evil. And I don't have any hope of that in the World Series. I don't have any faith that the Dodgers will be able to do that if they get there, or even at the Braves if they get there. So I have to hope that tonight is the night that uh, good triumphs over evil. So uh, that's there. 1-800-919-ESPN. The Yankees season coming to an end. I, look, there's not really – I like to try to get the Mets involved. The only story that I saw this week involving the Mets was the, uh, the one about Steve Cohen's going to, uh, to uh, get rid of the, uh, the Mets technology. The, the, you know, he's going to bring the, the, the team, the organization into the future. So I would, I would think that that means that all those blockbuster gift cards are going to be out. The rotary phones are going to be uh, a thing of the past. All those mixtapes. I, look, I loved a good mixtape back in the day, but I think now that the Mets are going to move, the floppy disks are going to be gone. All the VCRs, Sony Discman, all those. They, 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 those are going to be out. So, I, look, if you want to get in on that, you certainly can, but uh, I, I can't see how you would be upset by that. All right, let's go back to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine. ESPN. Sal is in a story. He's rooting for the Astros, which uh, is puzzling to me. Sal, what's going on, my friend? Good morning, Gordon. Long time no speak, my good man. Hey, what's going on? So, I am rooting for the Astros for one simple reason. I am tired of the 0-4 Yankees being the only team to blow a 3 nothing lead. Sal, do you think that the Astros win tonight, the people will stop bringing up the 2004 Yankees? I think they will. 
I think well, I think we will have company. Let me, let me think... ruin it for you, Sal. They will not. No, because the Yankees are still the first team to do it. So they'll they still bring the up the Yankees. Team to do it. Huh? They won't be the only team. To, they won't be the but only team. It doesn't matter. Do it. it already happened. It doesn't change the past. The pain is the pain. Like you don't get to you, the scar doesn't leave your body because something else happened down the road. The scar still. But there. Someone else has the scar. Someone else will have the scar. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't well, help my no, scar. Here's my feeling. I, if, I'm, someone's gonna, if I'm gonna be miserable, I want somebody else to be miserable right along with. Right? Me. Can that person be the Astros? Yes. Good. Yes. Let, let, let them do that. Let them do that to the race in it. Good. No, I want the race no. to listen to that reason. Uh, look, Sal, I, I don't understand that reason. I, I would understand that if the Rays were taking on some other team. If the Rays were taking on, I would say, basically anybody else, I might understand that to a certain degree because you don't like the Rays all that much either. But in terms of the hatred scale, the Rays are at least within ice. You can see the Rays. The Astros... If you have any ounce, like say you have a hundred whatever to give in terms of hate, the 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 Rays are like two or three parts of that hundred. The Rays are the other ninety-seven to ninety-eight. It was neutral until it became three-three. Now I say tonight, I want the Astros to win completely. Other than the missed finger roll, look at what twenty twenty has done painful to for me. Look, Sal. Look, I appreciate the call. Uh, I don't. I don't understand it. I don't understand you. I. I understand 2020 has really taken a toll on our mental health, and we have to uh, we have to kind of like self help ourselves sometimes. So if you find yourself, you're a Yankee fan, who finds yourself this morning looking at the box score, watching the game last night, and saying to yourself, "You know what? I think I'm rooting for the Astros." I would simply, I would simply say, "Go talk to you have to talk to somebody about these things." You have to, and, and maybe I'm that person. I was not able to, to, to sway Sal. Maybe he's beyond reason. But just think, think back to your, your past self. Like when you found out that the Astros basically took a season, an entire season, and made it illegitimate by their own actions. And when you found out that news, the, the, the feelings that you felt inside. And if I could take you back, back to the future in, the, in a way, to that time. And then say to you at that point that sometime in the future you would be rooting for that same organization in the Astros. You would say, there's no way. There's no, there's, there, how could that be? How, why would I ever do that? That makes no sense. And I would simply say, you're right, it makes no sense. But look at what you're doing. You have to have that moment of clarity where you, where you stop yourself dead in your tracks and say, this is wrong. What am I, what am I doing to myself? Now, I'm not saying you have to root for the Rays. I'm not saying, hey, you know, let's go Tampa. Kevin Cash, he's my guy. I'm not saying that. But you can't root for the I mean, you just simply can't. It's, it's, it's insane. It's insane. There's, there's nobody worse than the Astros. So anybody else would have to be better. That's my point. But I don't, I don't want to overstep. I don't want to go too far. Uh, Omar's in Brooklyn. Omar, you're up on a Saturday Hello, morning. How are you doing, my friend? You? You know oh, you're, you're all right. Oh, look at you. You're flying high today, right? No, no, no. Let me tell you about the Yankees fan. There you go. Go ahead. Even after your bills just got curbstopped. Oh, my God. That, that performance with your bills. Boy, they got exposed yes. pretty quick, huh? Oh. <laughs> all right. Let me let Josh me Allen, me. MVP what, stock is uh, taking a hit. Whatever the performance of the bills were. Yeah, it was but, right oh, off the table. That's what it was. Sorry. That's God, 2003, 
coming blowing that three four zero lead to the Boston Red Sox. No, two thousand four, two thousand three was nobody, the Aaron Boone year. Now we nobody have him as our can match that ever. Winches. That's why I want Houston Astros not to win tonight because I want only you know sometimes when you have pain and you uh-huh. tell somebody else, you right. tell somebody else, oh, you know, I have pain here, mm-hmm. and you said, oh, I understand, I used to have that. Mm-hmm. I want Yankees fans to feel that because nobody else felt it. Blowing that three zero lead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever you think about it, oh, and you are the only team. Not even the Mets have done that. Not even no. the Jets. Well, you have, have to get to the playoffs that. to do Nobody that. Has done I mean, that. you know, yeah, that's the, the only way you can blow a three. Now, the Mets have had their seasons end after three games, but that's during the regular season, not during the playoffs. Yeah, but this that season only going from the Boston Red Sox, and it yes. happened against your best rival. Boston Red Sox, you cannot get over it. I want Houston Astros to lose tonight only so the dogs go to David Cat's team. Look at that. Look, what do I always say about myself? I am the host of this station who brings people together. Here's Omar, deranged, crazy Omar, who's always out in left field rooting for the Bills, rooting for this one, rooting for that. He's rooting against the Astros, and I'm rooting. Bringing yeah, but, people together. But, That's but, what but, I do. But, let me tell you one thing. Let me tell you one yes. thing. What happened? Yeah, well, let me be performing. Let me ask you this question about yes. uh, when you mentioned my Buffalo Bill, right? But mm-hmm. I, I wanted yeah, to. Yeah, oh my God, what a disastrous no, no. performance no, I, that I, was. Boy, uh, they yeah, exposed, Astros, huh? point of view. Astros point of view. Your hatred yesterday, you predicted. The last night will be over. So yes. your prediction about last night over. How about yes. that? Can you tell every fan of yours that I predicted uh, Tampa Bay to win last night and I, I blew up my face? No, the, no but I'm, what I meant was ask, the Astros go to bed tonight. That's a that's a that's a Damer show guarantee. The Astros uh, get put you, to bed tonight. They get their fluffy little pillow. They get their comfy little blankets, and we lay them down, and we we snug them all in nice and tight, snug as a bug in a rug. I love you, I love you, Gordon Damer. But let me tell you, when you have a hatred for some team Mm. and it stick with you, if you want Houston Astros to lose tonight, you have to get over that hatred thing. Otherwise, if you make prediction, it will come to haunt you again and again and again. And I'm telling for my miseries. So you start stop hating Houston Astros and they will lose. Bills, that but Bills performance against the Titans. Oh, my God, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Omar, get out of here. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Now, look, I would love to be able to get rid of the hatred. But you know what? I feel like the hatred's the thing that keeps me going sometimes. You know, sometimes you need to – sometimes it's about, you know, the positivity and the, the, the motivational quotes that people put up here and there and you get something out of it. But sometimes there's nothing that motivates you quite like a good dose of hate. And uh, I'll be honest. I hate the Astros mainly. I would say it's mainly because they're evil. Let's get a little into it. Ready or not. Let's get into the football. Now, if you're driving, I would say, make first off, it's the law. You have to have your seatbelt buckled, but especially for this upcoming segment, right? Because we're going to talk Giants, Washington, Jets, Dolphins. I mean, the, the entertainment level, the exhilaration, just saying the words is just off the charts. Well, as I brought up during the morning show, to me, the Giants game, it's not very often that 0-5 teams have must-win games. But to me, 
the Giants, this is as close to a must-win game as they will have for a very long time. Now, the Giants have gotten a pass so far this year because of two things mainly. A, their games are competitive, right? Four of the five have gone right down to the wire. And while progress is kind of like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, progress is kind of in the eye of the beholder, I think there are some areas where you can see some progress, even though they're 0-5. I mean, like, think about any other time if we were saying about a professional team of this town. Well, you know, I see some progress. They haven't won. Well, you know, I see, but they do get a pass for that. Secondly, the other reason, and I think maybe the more important reason, is they're not the Jets, right? Like, the Giants at least look like they know that there was a game that day. They appeared during the game to be trying. They're not handing off to 37-year-old running backs time after time. The coach looks like a coach, like he says the right things. Now, that might not seem like a lot, but it turns out it is. Now, I'm not saying that if the Giants lose, that Joe Judge needs to— I'm not saying anything like that. But if the Giants, and I'm not even saying that if they don't win on Sunday, they're not going to win a game. I think that they will eventually win games, and you can progress over the course of the season. But it's really tight. It's kind of hard to keep saying, you know, you see good things and that you're progressing if you can't win a game like this. Because, A, where there is no progress is clearly right now, I'm not saying overall, the quarterback has not progressed. He is not taking a step forward, and if anything, he's taking a step back. He looks a lot like the guy last year when Saquon was out. And now it almost seems like during games he is so conscious, so fearful of turning the ball over that it's almost like he's playing uh, timid at times, certainly not comfortable. And, And even with that fact, even like holding himself back in some ways, I feel like he's still turning the ball over every week. Now, I'm not saying that, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is, this is it this week. I'm not saying that by must win. But I'm saying it's kind of hard to make the argument that you're progressing and showing progress if you, are, if you can't beat Washington. Because the Giants are better than Washington. At least from what we have seen so far. I know Washington has a win or the Giants haven't. But Washington has that one win. Since then, they've been outscored. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's like 125 to like 62 or something. They've given up 30 points every single week. They've never broken 20. And they're starting Kyle Allen voluntarily at quarterback. That's something that they're, they made a decision. He's our guy. So that should play into the Giants' hands. Here are the li- Since 2018, I think this was Dan Duggan of The Athletic who had this. Credit to Dan, even if, if, if it, even if it wasn't him. Since 2018, the Giants have won nine games. Nine. The, here's the list of quarterbacks they've beaten in that time. Deshaun Watson. Okay, that's good. Here's the rest. Nick Mullins. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jameis Winston. Chase Daniels. Mark Sanchez. Josh Johnson. Case Keenum. Dwayne Haskins. Whew, that is not, that is not exactly uh, Mount Rushmore, uh, even with nine people. That's not, a, that's not Mount Rushmore. So I do think the Giants win on Sunday, and I will simply say they better. Uh, they better. They, they need to it's, – it's one thing to talk about progress. Can you mix in a W every once in a while? I think you kind of need to, to mix in a W uh, once in a while. And it's crazy because even – like I brought this a point up about the, the Jets. Think about where the Giants have been. They have been picking in the top 10 five of the last six years. 
they've picked in the top six the last three, right? Four, six, and two. And the problems that existed when the GM got here, they still, like the offensive line was something that Dave Gettleman brought up at the very first press conference. And the offensive line is still terrible. And you wonder that when they made the coaching change, right, and they move off Pat Shermer and they bring in uh, Joe Judge, you know, they never got a chance to interview Ron Rivera because they waited to fire Pat. Now, look, maybe they didn't want to hire, they didn't want to interview Ron Rivera, but it does seem like that that was a mistake, like holding on to Pat Shermer throughout the season when everyone knew you were going to get rid of him. Here was this candidate that jumped at the first opportunity that he got and didn't even, you didn't even get a chance to, to interview with him. And you wonder, and I believe this Dan Duggan of The Athletic also brought this up, with the Texans and Falcons already firing their GMs and the Giants, very good chance that they're in that market again. You wonder whether or not that they will wait until uh, the, the, the offseason to get a jump on that or whether they might be a little bit proactive because I think the goal for this year was to see progress at least so far. I'm not saying that this is the case throughout the year, but at least as we sit here on October 17th, there's been no progress. Uh, that 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 uh, that is pretty clear in terms of the overall team. I mean, you might think the defense is better. You might like Joe Judge. These different things. I think the main area is wins and losses. There, that's pretty clear cut. And the quarterback, there's not been any progress there either. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Tito is in Newark. Tito, what's going on, my friend? What's going on, Gordon? How you doing? I'm good. I'll be doing better with an Astros loss tonight, my friend. No, no, I want an Astro victory. I'm a big Yankee fan, and I just I hate Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's been a thorn in the Yankees. Okay, but but for, Tampa forever. Bay beat you fair and square. I get. I don't like Tampa either. And everybody I'll say cheats, this. Gordon. Everybody What's, cheats. The Astros no. just got caught, but everybody cheats in baseball. Not like that. Been che- Who Not cares like that. how they cheat? They cheat. No, that, 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 like the, the steroid thing is ridiculous because people bringing up the steroid thing, it was the steroid era. Everybody had guys on their team, almost certainly, who were using steroids. We don't know them all. We know kind of the Yankee guys. But that's a little bit different than an organized scheme hidden it's behind stealing, the scenes. Stealing signs uh, um, is part of cheating. Is if you don't get caught um, scuffing baseballs. For years, that's been done. Cheating's been done. Right. The, the, you know, all those things, uh, all on, those things are done by uh, every uh, team. Say, Setting up a camera in center field to relay the sign to bang on a garbage can. That's different. They just got caught. Everybody yes, they did it. get we caught. Know, we, don't, we don't know who else was doing it. We know no care. one else was doing that. Trust me, if anybody else was banging on a garbage can during their games, I think that uh, you know John Boy and the, the rest of them, uh, you know, I think people would have figured that out by now. <laughs> I'm a big Yankee fan. I'm a Latino. There's a lot of Latinos in the Astros. I'm rooting for the Astros. Go oh, out. Tito, I, look, I, I would just simply say uh, you need to talk to someone in your household, someone who you know well. I, I'd like to, to bring, bring you back into reality. You, you cannot. I'm sorry. You cannot be. If you're a Yankee fan, you cannot be rooting for the I mean, this is like basic stuff, people. This is basic. I shouldn't even need to say this out loud. Whew. This would be, I mean, if this is true, down is up, up is down, black is white. white. I mean, there's, there's nothing that holds anything anymore. If you're rooting for the team that cheated you 
potentially out of a title and cheated the sport that you're watching. I mean, what else do I need to say? What else do I need to say? At this point, you know, let's uh, let's uh, let's bring let's bring Gettleman back. Let's bring Gettleman. Let's sign into a long-term deal. You know what, Gase? Lifetime contract. Adam Gase, you are the coach for as long as you want to coach the. I mean, what are we talking about? This is it's bizarro world. It is bizarre. Let's get into the Jets. Whether we want to or not, they're there. We have to. We have to discuss them. And at this point, I would simply say, I want the evidence. I need proof. I need the receipts. As the kids say, I want the receipts. Show me the receipts. And what I need the proof of, I need proof that Peyton Manning, it was the actual Peyton Manning that called Chris Johnson and suggested they hire Adam Gase. Like, it wasn't Peyton Manning spelled with an A. You know what I mean? Like, it was the actual Peyton Manning. Because when I was a kid, I remember my mom at one point put me on the phone with the Fonz. And it was only years later that it dawned on me that that actually probably was not the actual Arthur Fonzarelli. All right? So I'm just saying I know that that story's out there. I don't know if Peyton Manning has ever answered questions about it. But at this point, those questions should be posed. (laughs) When he's done showing off his six-pack, someone with a camera and a a recorder has to say, wait, did you actually call the Jets? And if you did, why do you hate the Jets? Because at this point of this, I can't explain it. The stats, I usually like to rely on the numbers because stats are... They are evidence, right? That they tell you what happened. Now they might not tell you the entire story, but the the stats don't tell you just how bad the Jets are. This, as I said earlier, this is going to be the tenth year the Jets missed the playoffs, and they they've never been further away. They have basic. There's not a lot, like '96. I remember '96 with Kotite. It was pretty clear at that point, like as bad as it was. You knew that there was at least some talent on the team. I'm not sure the next time the Jets are going to be in the playoffs, whether, ask yourself this, whenever you think the Jets will be in the playoffs next, do you think that there will be a single player on this roster, on that roster? Because I don't. Like, I don't even think it's really even a question of, uh, of whether they're going to get the first pick. I think it's pretty clear that they're going to go 0-16. Now, look, there's crazy games, and I do think that they could be at least competitive tomorrow. But if they go 0-16 over the last 10 years, they will have gone, I think the math is, my math is always sketchy, 57-103. and Wow. And yet every single week, they find a way to make it worse. Like, people ask me all the time, like, how can you still talk about the Jets? And my response is, how can I not talk about the Jets? <laughs> I mean, they give, there is a tree, the Jets tree, and you like to go and see how the fruit is. And we pick the tree clean of all the fruit every single day. And we wake up the next day, we go back to the tree, and there's fresh fruit. And it's ripe right there. It's just sitting there waiting for you to pick it. It's amazing. I mean, the This year, their GM came on this station and complained about the low expectations for his team. And there's a very good chance, I would say at least a 50-50 chance, they don't win a game. 
It's amazing. And every week there's something. This week it was obviously Le'Veon Bell. And it would be hard, you'd be hard pressed. Like, if you are like a sports aficionado, a New York sports aficionado for like the last 50 years, I would be interested to know if there was anything in those last 50 years of a, of a move that went bad this quickly. Like, there's bad, we have, right, we have no shortage of bad moves, but this one was bad almost from jump. Like, the, the most recent one that I would say went bad right away was Jed Lowry with the Mets. But at least right away, you, didn't, you couldn't see that Jed Lowry was never going to play three weeks into the, the contract. Three weeks into Le'Veon Bell here, I think, I think there were already the stories that the coach didn't want him. And think about that. Think about that there's an organ. I know it's been brought up. Uh, the GM signed a player that the coach did not want. Could you imagine that? Me, hey Adam, some news. Oh, really? What? What is it, Mike? We got Le'Veon Bell. We got Le'Veon Bell. I don't. I don't want Le'Veon Bell. I mean, could you imagine what that conversation? I would love a thirty for thirty just on that conversation. So they released Bell this week, who might not have. He certainly did not play well for the Jets, but he certainly played the Jets like a fiddle. Boy, oh boy, he got twenty-eight million dollars, seventeen games. So they release him, a team that, what is the complaint? Oh, they got no playmakers, they got no talent, and this brilliant offensive mind couldn't find a way to use Le'Veon Bell. It's amazing. Usually NFL teams reward their players with, you know, game balls. The Jets reward their players by making them ex-Jets. And the Bell signing was a disaster. You could make the case that the Bell move was the worst one by Mike McCagnan. And think about what a long list of things that is. I think the first per, the first one most people think about clearly is Christian Hackenberg, right? Second round pick, you never you never played a game, but in, but at least second round picks, it's always every team it's a hit or miss thing with the draft. This is you paid someone who is an established star twenty eight million dollars, and you know the draft picks are a crapshoot. With Mike McCagnan's moves, it's just the opposite. You go, oh, shoot, crap. That, I mean, it's amazing how everything bad. And if you, at this point, it's pretty clear. If you want off the Jets, just get a Twitter account. Just sign up for Twitter and let your thumbs do the, do the talking. It's a, and it's incredible. And you'd have to assume at this point, at this point, Livion Bell is going to be the latest person who leaves an Adam Gase team and then goes on to, to find it again. And, and look, I don't think that, that Le'Veon Bell was blameless for the situation. I do have questions of whether or not he's ever going to be the same player again. But just take a look at the history. Just take a look at the history. No, you know, there was an old line about Don Shula, and, the, and it came from uh, Bum Phillips. And it was, he can take his and beat yours, and he can take yours and beat his. Adam Gase can take anyone's and lose with them. His, hers, whoever's. Nobody gets less out of more than him. The list of players, I have, I have dubbed them the after Adam All-Stars, is already staggering. Let's introduce, for those who are not aware, do we have any music to introduce the team, Brian? The after Adam All-Stars. Well, first off, I think the first one you would have to say, at quarterback from Texas A&M, 
Ryan Tannehill. I know most people realize that since he signed with the Titans, he's been good, he's been great. Since he signed with the Titans, he's basically been Patrick Mahomes. Now, I know you're going to, oh, Gordon, you don't have to overblow it. I'm not overblowing it. Last 14 starts for Tannehill since he started, and the last 14 starts for Mahomes. Here are the numbers. Passing yards, Tannehill, 36.02, Mahomes, 36.74, so 72 fewer yards for Tannehill. Touchdown to interceptions, 31.6 for Tannehill, 28.6 for Mahomes. Quarterback rating, I don't know what goes into it. You don't either, but it's something we use. It's a tool. I don't know. I, I don't really know how to use a, a hammer either. It doesn't stop me from trying. 116.7 for Tannehill, 102.3 for Mahomes. I mean, it's unbelievable. And if that were the only person for the quarterback whisperer, that would be damning enough. It's not. Spoiler alert. It's not. Devontae Parker from Louisville. Guy who looked like a bust with Gates. It seemed like he was playing his way right out of the league. Never consistent. Now, you'd have to say he's one of the better receivers in the league. Closer to home, Robbie Anderson, fifth year out of uh, out of Temple. The sun god, as he's been dubbed. What happened to the music, Brian? Keep the music going. I love the, the anything I can use to take this music and make it something different than the, the old Bulls teams. I, I want to use it. He's on pace this year to catch 115 balls. For 1,500 yards. Now, look, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but that is a jump. At no point did you think that Robbie Anderson was going to catch 100 balls for 1,500 yards. So I'm kind of dubious about how. And look, the the list of other people, Mike Gysicki, Damian Williams with the Chiefs. I'm kind of dubious about how much Lev Bell might have left. But for him not to be good, think about what it it would mean. If he goes to the Chiefs and he has nothing left. It would mean that the Jets, the Adam Gase-led Jets, would have to be right about something, and that same thing, the Chiefs would have to be wrong about. I don't know what the, I don't know how you would calculate those odds, but whatever those odds are, they are astronomical, astronomical. So this week with the 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 um, the, the Le'Veon Bell, okay, we can get rid of. Uh, but with the Livion Bell thing, as bad as the move was, it was obviously telegraphed. And the crazy thing was, was that Gates came out and spoke the same day that Brian Cashman spoke for like an hour. Here's Cashman speaking about the flaws of the team and the way moving forward. And it was like Adam Gates couldn't be bothered answering your questions. That day we expected to speak about the Yankees, but then here come the – it's like that video clip uh, that went viral a few years ago. of the, the Remember the reporter is on talking about something important and his daughter just like busts through the door and stomps in? That's – the Yankees are the dad. The rest of that scene with the mom sliding in, the rest is the Jets. So Gase comes out to speak, and you know what? It's, it's not just that he's obviously bad at his job. It's not just that he has like zero people skills at all. It's not even that he has like this one area of the team to focus on, and it's the worst in football. It's that he's a jerk about it, too. I mean, they say nice guys finish last. I think it's impossible because Adam Gase is already there. 
So it just it's amazing that it seems like every single week, somehow, it seems to get worse. It seems to get worse. Now, that said, I would have to assume, if you're looking at any point of this year's schedule where the Jets could maybe stay competitive, and I think at this point that has to be the goal, right? Just to... Not for Jet fans. They don't want. At this point, I think they just want the first pick, and I can understand that because you need you need the first pick more than anybody else, considering where you're at and what you're looking at moving forward. But the Jets and Dolphins game this week, I think, is is one of the rare times that you could kind of maybe expect to be competitive. And I know that that even that is 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 going out on a limb because. You'd have to be honest. Jets Dolphins game is one of those games that you always kind of throw out the records. Now that's not literal. You don't literally get to throw out. The- Somebody should make that clear to Christopher Johnson because he might contact the league. Can we throw? I've heard about this throwing out of the records. Is that possible? No, you can't actually throw out the records. But the Dolphins historically have been a team that always has a letdown after a game like they had last Sunday. And right now everybody is just piling on the Jets. So you would think at some point they're going to show some signs of life. And I will say this: at some point Ryan Fitzpatrick will turn into Ryan Fitzpatrick again. His last four games, he has seven touchdowns and two interceptions. I, I don't know if it's coming this Sunday. There is a course correction coming, right? <laughs> that, that is not going to continue to happen. The problem is, is that the Jets, to be competitive in a game this year, they need something to go right early on because it seems like things go wrong from jump and the players are just so beaten down at this point that it just seems like they let go of the rope. In four out of the five games this year, the Jets' opponents have scored more points in the first half than the Jets have scored in the entire game. (laughs) That's a pretty damning statement. And as for Greg Williams, I know that a lot of people are focused on that, saying that the the reason his defense is bad is because the offense is worse. I mean, where would he ever learn to finger point like that? That's Adam Gase's move. You You don't steal somebody else's move. That would be like an 80s wrestler stealing somebody else's move. You can't steal the, the uh, Cobra Clutch, you know. You can't, you can't just all of a sudden come up with your own Cobra Clutch. You, you, you know, you have to come up with your own move. Uh, that's Adam Gase's move. You don't point fingers at other people. That's his thing. Well, in terms of the statement that, that, that Greg Williams made, yeah, of course he's, he's, he's finger pointing. But you know what? I would almost rather have those kind of statements than the statements of, uh, of uh, Dow- Dowell Loggins, the offensive coordinator saying, you know what, we got a lot of things to work on. Play calling, top notch. No worries about the play calling here, people. Don't worry. We took a look at it. We went back in the room. The the play calling, Adam took a look at it. Adam's not to blame. The play calling's not to blame. It's just simply on the players. It's on the players. That I would much rather have Greg Williams coming out and saying, you know what, I, my defense stinks in part because the offense stinks. That's at least that's actually more based in reality than saying that the play calling. <laughs> nothing wrong with the play calling. Who boy, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one 3776 Let's get some phone calls in. Ira is in Staten Island. Ira, how are you doing, my friend? I have not talked to you in a while. This has not obviously been an easy season for you as a Jet fan. No, that's for, that's for sure. But you know, you got to go on. There's a lot more serious problems going on. But absolutely, uh, you, you take it for what it's worth. But I had to touch base with you, Dolphin checking week. Uh, figure let me let me call Gordon and you know everything you painted out is you know I can't argue with it. I mean I hate to say it, it's sad, but it is what it is. 
But, you know, going into tomorrow's game, you know, the Dolphins, and I get it, Fitzpatrick could turn into Fitzpatrick any time. But you know what? You could get to 3-3, three and three and you're very much in the midst of a playoff uh, contention yeah. because the additional team. You're like, I look at it that way. And I think Flores has done a good job with the Dolphins. As for the he has Jets, done an okay job, yep. Yeah, There's still some things I worry about. And, and to me, the Dolphins season doesn't really begin until you get to see Tua. You know what I mean? Like, it's all well and good oh, to course. win games with Fitzpatrick, but at the end of the day, the future is the, the, the quarterback, and you have to see him at some point. No, absolutely. But if you get to six and four and you're a couple of games, you know, one yeah. more wins for playoffs, you're not going to throw it away. I wish I could do that. But, I mean, what a mess that I have on my hands. And, you know, the Greg Williams comments, yeah, I, I do agree with you. At least they were, you know, um, they made sense. But the bottom line is if Gay survives tomorrow, you know, after we lose to the Dolphins, um, I think Greg Williams could be out because, you know, you can't have an assistant coach pretty much pointing a finger at the head coach. And I don't, I don't but think. What if it's, but what if it's the head coach's fault? I mean, like, no, I, you know. I, I, I get it. But I just think Chris Johnson is probably going to let this ride out. I, re, I really do. I think I, he should. I, I think yeah, he should. Yeah, but, I, I don't have any issue with him letting it ride out throughout the course of the season because, to me, Ira, the Jets need that number one pick. More so than oh, the Falcons uh, or the Giants or all these other teams. I mean, they don't have a lot right now. No, they, they definitely do. And it, it's bad for Sam because, you know, we thought we got our franchise quarterback. Well, you know, whether he, you know, turns into a – I think he could be a very good productive quarterback, but I don't think he's ever going to be that top five quarterback that people had him coming out of college. Uh, but unfortunately, we're really never going to know that answer because he got to such a bad start here. And for his case – you know, he, he needs to start. Maybe he'll go out to San Francisco after they get rid of Garoppolo this season. But the bottom line is you got to get Trevor Lawrence. The Bell situation, I, I would love, if I were Chris Johnson, after we play the Chiefs and after Bell puts up two touchdowns, even though we lost a step and runs for 100 yards and catch six passes, I would love to sit down and say, Adam, I said, how come Andy Reid got juice out of this guy and you couldn't? Well, well, what's going on here? I, I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear that conversation. But yeah. the bottom line here is, you know what, I've swept this season under under the rug. I'm already looking to next year. I'm looking at the draft. I want to see Douglas hire a new coach. I want to see Douglas run the organization. And um, that's it. it. Like I said, you know, after week five, I uh, really don't have much to look forward to, that's for sure. I just, uh, I just hope after, after the Dolphin game, you know what they got coming up? They got Bills, Chiefs, Pats. I mean, I <laughs> wish the NFL – I wish the NFL could take that Monday night game at home against the Pats and move it to Sunday because, you know, I, I can't take another Monday night, one of these 35 to nothing games again. I mean, how many times have we been embarrassed against the Patriots tonight? So yeah, I think, uh, I think that's the, the crazy thing. As bad as the defense has played, Ira, and, and thanks for the call, you know, they really haven't gone up against a, an offensive team that's all that, you know, the, the worst is still yet to come. I mean, think about it. I shouldn't be allowed to say that on the air. It should be, like, not safe for work or not safe for the radio. The worst for the Jets still might be to come. And, you know, I, I was talking about this on the on the morning show. You know, I listened to all the different shows on the station and all the different perspectives trying to, you know, formulate what uh, my perspective is. And Michael Kay has been talking about it. And Chris Canty is in agreement that, you know what, don't be so sure that Adam Gase is going to be fired after this season, that he's, you know, that, that him and Joe Douglas are, are tied at the hip. That, to me, even for the Jets, 
I can't imagine. Because, again, the worst is still coming. Like, as bad as you think it is right now, the better team, they are going to play the Chiefs in football. I mean, has there ever been a bigger discrepancy on a football field than the Kansas City Chiefs and this year's Jets? I mean, that's that's mind-boggling. So the worst is yet to come, and I just can't, even the Jets, after this year. Now, I would hold on to them throughout the course of the year. Once you have the first pick guaranteed at some point, then okay, you can move off Adam Gase. But I can't believe it. it I, I, with all due respect to Michael and, and Chris, it, it just defies any logic on planet Earth that someone could look at the Jets, someone in ownership of the Jets, and think that they would bring back Adam Gase. And if it is a case where Adam Gase and, um, and Joe Douglas are, are tied at the hip, well, then for Joe Douglas, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits. I mean, then uh, there's a very good chance that whoever you bring in anyway is going to want their own guy. And if that's the case, well, then you have to, that's the move you have to make. I, I know that you don't want to uh, change just for change's sake. And Joe Douglas, I feel like, you know, he's not really gotten a fair shake here so far. But the early returns, not exactly great. Not exactly great. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.